Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, September 23rd, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester or give them a call, 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And make sure you tell them that I sent it. If you do swing by the shop on Granite Ave, make sure you bring your skates. Uh, the best skate shopping in the New England area right here at Beantown Athletics. So uh, what are we getting into today on this Wednesday, September 23rd? Well, as I'll do every Wednesday, I'll, I'll look ahead to, to the following week, to the next week in the NFL. You know, a little schedule stuff that goes on here during the NFL season. On Fridays, I give picks picks. That's five games with the spread uh, for Sunday's games and even the Monday game if that's a game that I like. Uh, Thursday, you know, we'll, we'll preview that Thursday night game, but Wednesday is a preview of the entire week and the entire upcoming week, because if you follow the NFL, or at least you follow the day-to-day, uh, uh, things that happen with specific teams, you know that Wednesday's a big day. Wednesday is when the NFL teams turn the page, right? Or at least uh, that's what they tell us. They turn the page to the next game. Uh, they begin official practices. They, you know, the quarterbacks will talk on Wednesdays. The coaches will talk on Wednesdays. So on Wednesday, on this show, on this podcast, every Wednesday, I'm going to sort of turn the page to the following week. So every Wednesday, a preview of the upcoming NFL week. Uh, and you go back, you know, what I do on Monday is I react to everything that happened on Sunday, preview the Monday night game. On Tuesdays, we'll recap the Monday night game, sort of pick up the pieces from what we had left over, uh, what we did or didn't talk about on Monday. Um, And and obviously, Tuesday and Thursday show are also for some other things that will be taking place soon enough. The NHL season is right around the corner. Uh, The NBA season is right around the corner. Before you know it, you know, we'll have post, you know, we're going to have postseason baseball, though I'll get to some baseball stuff today. Last night, it felt like a playoff game in Toronto with the Yankees and the Blue Jays. That game was on ESPN. Being a Red Sox fan, still knowing that Henry Owens, a young up-and-coming pitcher, whether he's traded or whether he remains with the Red Sox organization, I do like to watch him. He pitched last night for the Sox against Tampa Bay, but still, I was locked in to this Yankees-Blue Jays game. And the atmosphere in that building in Toronto, uh, that was a playoff atmosphere. I'll get to that in just a few minutes. But, you know, we got postseason baseball, uh, basketball, hockey starting soon. I mean, before you know it, we're going to be to March Madness. Before you know it, we'll be to March Madness and spring training. We'll have the Super Bowl. We'll be gone. Look, this thing's flying by. I, I kicked off this show, this new podcast, back in... The last week of January, uh, we built this studio here at Beantown Athletics. And I'm reminiscing right now because I come into the studio today. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know what I found. Uh, Follow me on Instagram, at Danny Picard. Uh, A poster that we had made. You know, we made some posters because we made this street hockey film that is on my YouTube page. YouTube.com slash Danny Picard. It's called 363, The Road to the Selfie 3-on-3. I mean, I talk about it all the time. On, on radio, I've mentioned on TV, uh, I talk about it on this podcast. And myself and Pete Needham, who 
used to be the producer of the show. Now, you know, they got some things going on here at Beantown Athletics, and maybe you've noticed, but I've sort of been producing this show myself as of late. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm gonna if I'm gonna keep doing it or if I'm gonna look for someone. If I am looking for someone in the future, I will let you know. Pete does help out every once in a while when we have a guest in studio or we get a guest over the phone. I need a little help with that based on all the all the new equipment that we have in this studio now. Uh, but Pete, who used to be my producer, you know, he helped me put together this street hockey video and really didn't just help me. I mean, the kid put the fucking thing together. I mean, he's the man behind the magic, as I always say. So, uh, but, you know, it's a script that I wrote uh, that I guess you could say acted in, though. I, while this thing is sort of a mockumentary, I, I wanted to, as sort of the director of this thing, the writer-director, and I guess you could say actor, I wanted this... I wanted to to recreate HBO's 24-7 Road to the Winter Classic. Now, HBO doesn't do the Road to the Winter Classic anymore. Somebody else did it last year, right? I didn't watch it. But I wanted to recreate that, and I wanted to make it the Road to the Southeast Street Hockey Tournament that we have every year. You know, the one that I did not play in this year for the first time in a long time. Um, But we made this movie. It's about 36 minutes long. We got two NHL players in it, uh, two very good NHL players, Jimmy Hayes and Keith Yandel. Jimmy Hayes now of the Boston Bruins. Keith Yandel now of the New York Rangers. Jimmy Hayes was with the Blackhawks at the time. Keith Yandel was with the Phoenix, now the, known as the Arizona Coyotes at the time. So we, we did that video, but we also had a, um, a, a pretty cool poster that Pete made up. And I come into the studio today, and it's sitting in the corner here. This big, this big old poster, 363 Road to the Celtic 3-on-3. They're doing some renovations here at Beantown Athletics. Uh, I, I came in, I went into them, I said, what are we doing? Are we throwing this thing away? Why did we take it off the wall? I didn't know they took it off the wall. Apparently, uh, my man Funky over there, who has the Boston Fire clothing line, um, I'll give him a plug. You can go to bostonfireclothing.com. He sets up his little area in the corner on the other side of Beantown Athletics, and I'm looking at it right now through the glass. And, you know, apparently he took this poster down. I I still kind of want to know why he took it down. I know he's got the fire clothing line and everything, but you just can't come in here and start taking shit off the wall. Uh, that's what he did. So now we're going to try to find a new spot for this poster, I guess. But long story short, I come in here today. The poster's leaning against the wall. And, and I reminisce. I started to reminisce because I'm thinking, wow, we did that in two. We released this video in 2012. And it honestly seems like we released it last year. Not even. Honestly, I felt like we recorded this thing. I felt like we filmed it at the beginning of this summer. So it's just, and it actually will be, we released it to the public on October 2nd, 2012. If you go to my YouTube page underneath, that's when it says we released it. And uh, we actually had a, we had a pretty cool little viewing party here at Beantown Athletics where we, we legitimately rolled out the red carpet. Everybody that was in the video with me, I told them to get dressed up nice. Uh, we, you know, we had VIP, we had pictures out front. They put a fucking, these guys put a fucking spotlight outside of Beantown Athletics where I can remember we all drove over. We all jumped in a car with about seven people in it and we're driving over to Dorchester from Selty. And we look up at the sky, and I shit you not, we could see the spotlight flying around at night. It was like the last weekend of September, and it was dark out, and we could see the spotlight driving from Selty in the air. And, and you know, everybody got a kick out of that. 
it was a great night. It was a great event. And uh, we, we released the video to the public, though, a couple days later, October 2nd, which is going to be, what, uh, a week a week from this Friday, I believe, if I have my calendar out there correctly, if I'm looking at my calendar correctly, a week from this Friday. And it's it's crazy to think that a week from this Friday, it'll be three years to the day that we released this street hockey video. And, I mean... You know, I'm I'm sort of it was a sort of, it's sort of a wow moment when you think of it. Time flies, time flies, and uh, you know, I I honestly feel like we filmed that at the beginning of this summer, man. Wow, just I think I think a week from Friday, next Friday, I'm gonna have to bring Pete in here to produce a show for me and sit in here with me for a show a week from Friday if he's around and he's not busy, and we can discuss and and go back and go over. You know what? Maybe we'll. Maybe we'll bring Jimmy in here. Now, Jimmy is now with the Bruins, so he's at training camp, so he's around, and we're looking to bring him in here anyways on a regular basis. Hopefully get some news um, on that for you soon. But, uh, and, and, and I don't care if he does, and if, if he's going to do a radio show too. I, I don't give a fuck. I mean, what, it's a podcast. This isn't radio. It's, you know, is it competing? I have no idea. I'd like to think maybe it is, but at the same time, we aren't on the radio. So it isn't technically competing, but um, I don't even give a fuck if he is going on a station. I mean, well, I'm gonna try. We're gonna try to get him in here, but maybe we'll get him in next Friday. Maybe we'll get Keith on the phone, right? Maybe we'll get Snay on the phone, and um, and and we'll go over this. Maybe we'll get some of the cast in. I don't. I I hope you watch it. Go back and watch it. It's got over forty thousand views on YouTube. Again, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. And look, I didn't I didn't want to open the show with this. I wasn't gonna, but I'm sitting here in the studio. I walked in and you know, I did a little prep work this morning and I got this big old poster sitting in front of me. You can see it on my Instagram account at Danny Picard. And uh it just brings back some memories. You know, we had fun. We had fun filming it. I had fun writing it. We had fun editing it editing it, but you know what? When we did edit it, I tell you, me and Pete, Pete really was on a computer. I was over his shoulder. There were some things, you know, that was annoying to both of us. I think we were both going to kill each other at one point. We were spending so much time going over this video. And, uh, you know, then I had the narrator, Ryan Wynn, who did a fantastic job. Kids got pipes. Yeah, he's a cop now. He's a Boston cop. And uh, he wasn't at the time. I think he was still trying to get into some of this stuff. And, you know, what? maybe he's still trying to do it on the side. You know, I can't put my, I, I can't wrap my brain around why someone like Pete does, didn't get any type of offer from anybody with regards to the editing that he did on this. And really, I mean, everything, the man behind the magic, the things that he did with this on his computer uh, was magical. So, I mean, it, we even had a, we had a little preview video, right? A little coming attractions video. And that, when I saw that, I said to him, this is, that's too good. You know, you, you, we have to edit that, that you, you made it, you know, it's too good. You know, you can't have it that good because it's going to be better than the fucking movie. And it turned out to we, we, you know, he did a fantastic job. Uh, Wynn did a fantastic job as a narrator, but it, it took us a long time to get that thing. Uh, I, I'm, you know, we're proud of our work to be honest. And that's why I always talk about it because it took us a long time. Uh, we're proud of what we were able to accomplish and putting that thing out to the public. And, uh, you know, I, I think when you, when you look back on something like that, 
there's part of me that to this day, to this day, you know, I I want to make a sequel. I want to make a sequel. I don't know if it's street hockey. I don't know if it's wiffle ball. I don't know if it's it's something else. I I want to make a sequel. That's for sure. But um, it, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. And you know, for something we did for free, it's not the ideal opportunity job opportunity for either me, Pete, Ryan, Wynn, or whoever is in the video that we ask to be in it. Uh, whatever cameos that we may or may not have. So um. You know, I sorry to oh sorry to reminisce like that on you. And if you haven't watched the video, please go watch the video because next Friday, you know, I am working on some things to get some people in, and I'm just sort of thinking out loud and you know getting these thoughts spiraling out right now, and 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 thinking of what we could do. Maybe we do something special next Friday on this podcast uh, to go back and and look at the making of 363, the road to the Celtic three on three, but. Let's get after it, shall we? Let's get after it, because uh, week three in the NFL begins tomorrow night, and the game that we have is going to be the Redskins in New York against the Giants. You know, it's not really the go-to matchup. Like, if this game was on TV on Sunday, I I wouldn't sit there and watch Giants-Redskins. Like, I just wouldn't do it. But it's on Thursday night. We'll all be watching. And I, I, I yesterday on yesterday's podcast, I went over all the teams that were 0-2. And the Giants were one of those teams. And, and I told you, I'm not throwing in the towel on the Giants, mainly because of the Romo injury and the fact that Witten's banged up now and you already lost Des Bryant. I do think that the Cowboys are going to be able to hold their own and survive until Romo gets back to where they'll be able to contend for the division again. But because that stuff has opened up and because I still don't buy into what's going on in Washington with their win last week, um, and the Eagles, I told you before the season, I, I don't see what, what I don't see all the praise. I don't get all the praise for Chip Kelly's offense with, with this personnel group. I just don't see it. And as I think you've seen in the first two games, uh, maybe I'm right with that. So I, I've told you, I, I'm not throwing the towel in on the New York Giants just yet. I mean, they still have a quarterback in Eli Manning that, you know, do I think he deserves 65 mil guaranteed? Do I, put it this way. Do I think Eli Manning deserves to be tied for the most guaranteed money in the NFL, essentially being the highest paid player when it comes to guaranteed money in the NFL in any position? No, I don't. It's him and Phillip Rivers, 65. I don't think either of them should be making the most money. But, when you look at the market and some of the guys that were making that guaranteed money and the fact that Philip Rivers did sign 65 mil guaranteed, I don't think it's crazy for Eli to want the same, if not more, than what Philip Rivers is making. So it's, a, it's an issue with the market, and that's it. That's what that is. That's where that issue is. Um, but Eli Manning, I still think, look, he's got Odell Beckham Jr. Who, if, if, you know, if Cruz can come back at any point, I don't think the Giants are going to be a terrible football team. So I think they got a shot. But they play at home against the Redskins to begin week three. And, uh, you know, you got some things going on in Washington. Does RG3 not like Kirk Cousins? Is Kirk Cousins not like RG3? My honest opinion is who, who cares? Like that relationship between RG3 and Kirk Cousins. First of all, look at it this way. I don't really expect RG3 to be happy, right? I don't. And if RG3 is not happy, and if I'm Kirk Cousins, I don't expect Kirk Cousins to 
be walking around smiling and loving Aji 3 if Aji 3's walking around like a miserable prick. Uh, you step back from those emotions for a minute when you take yourself out of the cleats of those players and you say, all right, Aji 3, maybe you should stop pouting because basically the reason you're not playing is because you're no good. I've been, I've been saying that about Aji 3 for a couple of years now. I just don't see it. He makes terrible decisions on the football field. I mean, some of the worst decisions that I've ever seen on the football field. So, I, I, I just, I, I don't look at the Washington Redskins situation and think that that relationship is really going to factor in to the results of, of, the, of the Redskins game. I think they go into New York, and to be honest, I think they lose, right? I think they lose this one against the Giants. The Giants are due for a win. Giants are four-point favorites. Uh, you know, just take away the spread for a minute. I get to, I get to the spreads on, on Friday. Mostly, I make my picks. Again, picks, picks every Friday. That's when I'll get to that. But, um, you know, I, I look at this Thursday night game, and I'm thinking to myself, Giants are going to win. I think the Giants, I think they're better than the 0-2 that it says next to their team name in the standings. And, uh, you know, I think the Redskins are a club that, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm not buying into. And I think with Philly, I think Washington is one of the worst teams in that division. So it's a divisional battle. It's probably going to be a tough game, but I do think the Giants will win that one. So after we get that Thursday night game out of the way, you know, the game that nobody would re- outside of New York and Washington would really be watching, uh, the only reason we're watching is because it's on Thursday night, you know, you get to Sunday. And Sunday, the first game that I see on the list here, you look at the 1 o'clocks, Pittsburgh goes into St. Louis. St. Louis has looked like two completely different teams from – Week one to week two, uh, you know, the Rams, they lost to the Redskins, but in week one, they beat Seattle. You know, what's going on there? I, I, I think St. Louis is somewhere in the middle of those two games, right? Somewhere in the middle of those two games. You saw what Pittsburgh was able to do to San Fran. Pittsburgh now one one after Pittsburgh got beat uh, by the Patriots on opening night. Steelers really had no shot in that opening night game. Uh, the Steelers, I think, you know, when they get all their guys back, they're going to be a very good team. So I think the Steelers are going to win their division, and I think that they're going to be a team that will be playing the Patriots once again in the playoffs. I think the Steelers are going to be that good. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Patriots, but the Steelers, as Antonio Brown, when he left Gillette and he told fans, we'll see you guys again, I think he was right. So I think the Steelers are going to be playing the Patriots in the playoffs, which means I think the Steelers are going to the playoffs, which means, well, it doesn't mean I think the Steelers are going to win the division because they could get a wild card. But I'm telling you right now, the Steelers will win that AFC North. I know they're 1-1 and the Bengals are 2-0. And the Bengals have looked pretty good to begin the season. But Pittsburgh, to me, is going to be the team to beat in that AFC North. Uh, The San Diego Chargers, another 1 o'clock game. They go into Minnesota to take on the Vikings. The Char- oh, by the way, real quick, going back to the Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh, I'll point out, a two-point favorites in St. Louis. And if you ask me, it's not enough. It's really not enough. But anyways, go, let's go back to the San Diego-Minnesota game. The Minnesota Vikings coming off a big win in which Adrian Peterson looked like vintage Adrian Peterson, rushing for over 100 yards, caught a couple passes out of the backfield, uh, they host the San Diego Chargers. Vikings, two-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. 
Uh, the Chargers, to me, at 1-1, one and one, you know, they, they won that week one game in which they came back against Detroit. And uh, I, I guess I just look at the Chargers. Then they go to Cincinnati, they lose to the Bengals. They're always, the Chargers are always going to show you, like, flashes of brilliance during the season, flashes of greatness, like that comeback in week one against Detroit in which they trail 21-3, to and then they come back and win. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is a Detroit team that they beat, that they come from behind and beat. Detroit team that's going to be going to the playoffs. That's what I was saying then. Obviously, if you listen to yesterday's show, I feel a little bit differently based on Detroit being 0-2, Matt Stafford being a little banged up, and uh, the Lions' schedule just being so tough where they could end up starting the season 0-5 after these first two losses. But anyways, the Chargers come from behind, they beat them, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, wow, all right. Chargers, Phillip Rivers, we know he's a fighter in this league. He got the new contract. But uh, his, him to Keenan Allen, that looks like a pretty good tandem right there. Maybe maybe I had it wrong. Maybe the Chargers could make a, a playoff run uh, this season. And then they go out and they lose to Cincinnati. Look, Cincinnati's a good team. But are they a team that at San Diego, you know, when they go into Cincinnati, it should be an impossible place to win? No, I don't think so. But San Diego in week three, they will go to Minnesota against a very tough Vikings team. I told you, Minnesota's going to the playoffs. They looked awful in week one in that late Monday night game in San Francisco. But I think they're working out some of the kinks. I think you'll see Adrian Peterson uh, just storming through the NFL this season. I really do. I think he's going to have a fantastic year. And uh, I think he's going to carry this Vikings team. And I think Adrian Peterson is going to make it a lot easier for Teddy Bridgewater this season. I really do. And Teddy Bridgewater, I think uh, he, he, he can throw the football. I like Bridgewater. I do. I like Bridgewater. So I, and I think the Vikings have some offensive weapons, receiving weapons that, um, you know, are, are going to serve them well this season to go along with Adrian Peterson having a beast here. So Vikings are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Chargers. Uh, I expect the Vikings to take advantage of home field advantage and win this game. Houston, they host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Ryan Mallett was not able to get them a win against the Carolina Panthers last weekend, and the Texans are 0-2. I don't see the Texans doing anything crazy this season, basically because they don't have the quarterback. You're going to see Mallett, Hoyer. You're going to see Bill O'Brien going back and forth with those guys, with Mallett and Hoyer. All season long, I think you're going to see him going back and forth. Texans are actually six-and-a-half-point favorites against Jameis Winston and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Texans aren't going to win many games this season. But at home against Tampa Bay, J.J. Watt should be all over Jameis Winston, ruining his afternoon. And I think this will be one of the games that the Texans win. Uh, But basically a game between two teams that I don't think are going anywhere this season. Take Houston. Philly is in New York. Which, you know, I, when I talk about the Jets, I, I kind of feel bad I kind of don't. Obviously, I'm a Patriots fan, so I kind of feel bad that maybe, part of me feels bad just as a football fan that I didn't give the Jets enough credit for what they did defensively on Monday Night Football against the Colts. Yesterday, I sat here and, we, and I crushed the Colts and I called it embarrassing. I told you the Colts are going to fix some things, and those some things are at the offensive line. I do think they're going to fix it, and I look at the Colts' schedule, and I think the Colts are going to bounce back. They're not one of these 0-2 teams, as I said yesterday. The Colts are not one of these 0-2 teams where you can write their obituary. You just can't do it. I think the Colts will be just fine. I think they'll go to the playoffs still this season. 
But perhaps while I crushed the Colts yesterday and I called what they were doing offensively an embarrassment, all the turnovers, Andrew Luck's three interceptions, the fumble that he lost, the Frank Gore fumble on the goal line in which they lost. While I call those things embarrassing, the football fan of me feels bad that maybe I didn't give the Jets enough credit for what they did defensively. The Jets are an improved team in this division. We talk about the AFC East. The Bills improved, okay? Uh, The Dolphins improved. And the Jets improved. They did. And one of the things that, at least this is me, and maybe it's because I've tried to forget Darrell Rivas altogether, and I've tried to wash him out of my brain, because I wanted him to be back with the Patriots so bad it's not even funny. So perhaps I, I, I've wiped Darrell Rivas out of my brain so much that I forgot that he signed with the Jets. And he signs with the Jets, and they have Cromarty. And, and the Jets' defense now, it, under a coach who's a defensive-minded coach in Todd Bowles, you, if you're a Jets fan, you got to love what's going on right now with your Jets. And you also, here's what you got to love, too, if you're the Jets. you got to love that nobody's really talking about you. You know, where in the past, in, in the last couple of years, it was like whether you won or whether you lost, Everybody and their mother was talking about you because Rex Ryan wouldn't shut his mouth. He wouldn't shut his mouth. And then, look, I, I never looked at Rex Ryan and thought that the things that come out of his mouth and the things that he says will be affecting their, his football team in a negative light. Sure, his teams take on his personality. Rex Ryan wants that. You kind of sense that with the Bills and the players going into that game against the Patriots. And you're probably going to sense it all year long. At the end of the day, it's going to be the talent on the field that wins you games and the talent on the field that loses you games. I think the Bills have enough talent to be a good team this year. I I do. Are they going to make the playoffs? No. But I certainly think that the Bills are going to win some games much like they went into Indy and beat the Colts. I think they're going to surprise some people with some big wins in spots and in places that people are not going to give them a chance to win. I don't think Rex Ryan's mouth affects the results of those games. I really don't. Uh, I think where Buffalo will ultimately fail is because I I still don't buy into their quarterback. I don't buy into Tyrod Taylor, even though I got to give him credit. He made some big throws late in that game against the Patriots. He did. He made some big throws. But it was at home, and it was against the Patriots team and a secondary that's somewhat depleted, and also a Patriots team that if you factor in the whole human nature aspect, what you get is, Maybe a defense early in the season that has a huge lead, that has completely quieted Ralph Wilson Stadium, that human nature kicks in and you maybe sit back a little bit more than you probably should, right? Right? I I do think that stuff happens. But I also say depleted secondary. And when I say depleted secondary, uh, you know, the reason it's somewhat depleted is because, let's say this. Let's say this. We'll say... We won't use the word depleted. We'll say secondary that looks different for the Patriots, right? That looks different. And it looks different because Darrell Rivas is not there. Brandon Browner is not there. Kyle Arrington is not there. Um, Alfonso Dennett is not there. Couple other pieces are not there. But Darrell Rivas is the guy. And perhaps, you know, I, I just felt terrible when they didn't sign him. And then he goes to the Jets I just needed to forget that because I go back, I remember how excited I was when Revis signed with the Patriots last year, going into last season. I was uh, ecstatic. I was upset that they let Tlaib go, but then 
you know, not I don't even think it was 24 hours later, we found out Revis was coming to the Patriots, and I was, you know, I was going nuts. That was awesome news, okay? I, I, the words couldn't express last year how excited I was to see that Patriots defense. And we know what they did. They went on. They won a Super Bowl. So when you lose a guy like that, and then he goes back to the Jets, well, I have to try. Me, as the Patriots fan of me, I got to try to forget that. And maybe I forgot that so much that I forgot that Revis actually signed with the Jets, and you're looking at a Jets defense that's pretty damn good. Combined with the fact that nobody's talking about him. I mean, think about this. Their quarterback got punched in the face. Geno Smith, punched in the face, broken jaw. They released the other guy. Everybody's talking about this story. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the quarterback, the coach comes out yesterday and says, you know what, Fitzpatrick is our guy, even when Geno Smith gets healthy. Now, let's wait and see. He says that, he's backing his quarterback, he's rallying the troops, I think it's the right thing to do, I think it's the right thing to say. Let's let's wait and see if that actually happens, because who knows, by the time Geno Smith is completely healthy, and you know whether it's the first week he's healthy, or whether it's five weeks down the road, perhaps Fitzpatrick is out there making terrible mistakes, and they feel like they need a change offensively. I, I could see that happening. I'm not going to rule that out just because uh, Todd Bowles comes out and s- this week and says that Fitzpatrick is his guy, which he did say. But think about this. You know, you beat the Colts in Indy on Monday Night Football. You are 2-0, and all, and nobody's talking about you. Nobody's talking about your defense in a league that defense wins championships. Nobody's talking about you. Your quarterback got knocked out. You have a new quarterback. Your coach came out and said, he's our guy, the backup, Fitzpatrick. He is now our guy. We're still not talking about the Jets. You know, the Patriots fan of me doesn't want to. The Patriots fan of me says, fuck the Jets. They're not going to win the division. The Patriots, this is the Patriots division. We'll go over the Patriots and their schedule and what I think they could do. Yeah, I d- fuck the Jets. That's what the Patriots fan of me says. The football fan tells me that we can't ignore that Jets defense. You can't do it. The Jets host the Philadelphia Eagles Sunday at 1 at the Meadowlands, at MetLife. Eagles are two-and-a-half-point dogs. Philly's trying to find their offense. They're trying to find themselves. They, they're looking for, you know, the play calling combined with Sam Bradford under center, combined with DeMarco Murray giving death stares to his quarterback and yelling on the sideline. I don't blame DeMarco Murray, to be honest. Usually I, I crush a guy who acts like that in the sideline. DeMarco Murray is running around that sideline like a guy who's got common sense. He's looking at his coach. He's going, you think that you invented football. He's looking at his quarterback going, you look like a fucking kicker with that jersey on. Can we do? He's looking at his offensive line going, do you, have you guys even blocked ever before in your life? Do you even know what football is? I don't blame DeMarco Murray. He's losing his mind on the sideline of a team that thinks they're the best in the league, that has people all around football telling them in the preseason that they're one of the most explosive, exciting offenses in the league, best teams in the league, and they're not doing shit. They suck. I mean, I don't blame DeMarco Murray. Before he even gets the ball, he's being taken down to the ground on a handoff. If you watch that game against the Cowboys last week. So, the Eagles, you know I can't stand them. You know I can't stand this idea 
that Chip Kelly thinks he's the smartest man in the room, that Sam Bradford, out of all the quarterbacks they've had the last couple of years, Sanchez, Foles, Sam Bradford, you line those three guys up against the wall, Sam Bradford's the last one that I pick on my team. Like, this isn't college anymore. We have to erase that from our memory. Okay? Chip Kelly does too. I mean, Chip Kelly, I think, is going to find himself back in college. I mean, at this rate, he's going to find himself back in college by week 10 in the NFL season. So, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe the Colts job opens up. Right? Maybe Harbaugh or Saban come in, come back to the NFL. And maybe one of those jobs open up for Chip Kelly. Who knows what happens? You can't rule those coaching changes out. But to me, the Eagles, I told you in the preseason, I don't buy in to what everybody's trying to feed us, including what the Eagles are trying to feed us. Eagles going to New York. Look, Jets aren't going to win the division. They're not going to finish the season undefeated. But the way they play defense and the way they play defense against the Colts and the defensive pieces that they have, especially in that secondary, you know, I, I'm i going to be shocked if the Jets lose this game to Philly on Sunday in New York. I am. I'm going to be shocked if the Jets lose it. I'll be shocked. Um, but you got that game, Eagles in New York against the Jets. And then a couple other 1 o'clock, you got New Orleans in Carolina. Some news here is that Drew Brees is going to play. He's day-to-day. He's got that shoulder injury, what, rotator cuff. He had some rehab. They're saying the rehab went well. He's going to be day-to-day. But how good is he going to be? I'll tell you this. A 50%, 60% Drew Brees is probably better than whatever else they're going to throw out there. So you take your chances, I think, at this point. I think that's what they're doing. These divisional matchups in that terrible division are always tough. It's in Carolina. You know, I look at the Panthers and I see what they've done so far, and I don't see, I don't see a team that is, you know, they beat the Jaguars, they beat the Texans. No, I, I, I think this is a game. If Drew Brees does play, I think this is a game the Saints can win, right? I really do. I really think this is a game the Saints can win. You look at New Orleans, they're zero and two. But I don't. If look, if Drew Brees is going to play the rest of the season. I think they have an opportunity given their schedule. They have some winnable games in their schedule the next four or five games. They do. At Carolina, you know, at home against the Cowboys team that'll, be, that'll have a backup quarterback. We'll get to the Cowboys in a few minutes. Uh, at Philly, which I told you, I think, you know, Philly's beatable, right? At that point, maybe Philly will be a little hungry at 0-3 if they lose to the Jets. And, and so maybe that'll be a tougher game for the Saints than maybe I'm, I'm thinking it looks right now. You know, then New Orleans comes home to play Atlanta. I don't look at Atlanta being this crazy, scary team. Uh, I, I just can never do that because Matt Ryan is due for a couple just brain farts a game, just bad, bad mental mistakes and, and decision-making as a quarterback. He's due for a couple of game, and you can really, you know, you can beat them with that. Atlanta's been beat with that the last couple seasons. And I, I think that's going to continue to haunt them at some point. But... So that's that's not an impossible game at home against Atlanta. And then you go to Indy. We'll see what Indy is by then. Then you come, you know, Giants, Titans, Redskins, Texans, Panthers, Buccaneers, Lions, Jaguars, Falcons again. The, the schedule for New Orleans is not impossible. And that's why at 0-2, I don't rule New Orleans out. I really don't. But But here's the deal. Drew Brees has to play for me to continue to say that with that schedule. Drew Brees needs to continue to play. 
So we'll see. He's day-to-day. He's got this throwing shoulder injury, rotated cuff. He's having rehab. Um, We'll see what happens. You know? I, I, I don't know what he's going to look like. So I, I, t- I would tell you to stay away from this one. And that's why if you look at uh, lines right now, at least at some of the websites I look at, uh, there's no over-under. And we don't see a money line. You see a spread. Panthers right now um, at minus six and a half. Right? But we don't see money line. We don't see over-under. And I think that's due mostly in part to Drew Brees, his status being up in the air. But also if, the, if he does what they say he's going to do, which is day-to-day and he's going to play, how good is he going to be? Like at what percentage is Drew, is Drew Brees going to be? Is he just out there because the Saints are saying, well, a 60% Drew Brees is better than what we have as the backup. I, I mean, I think they're right if they're thinking that. But if they are thinking that, are you going to bet, you know, are you going to bet New Orleans? I, I, it's, look, I mean, we'll have to, you have to wait and see. We have to see what Drew Brees is like. I mean, is he 60%? Is he 90%? You know, 90% Drew Brees should be able to win this game. Right? I, I mean, look, the, the bottom line is this. NFL season, quarterbacks, any player, injuries, guys play through a lot. And we've seen guys have a whole lot of success while playing through a lot of pain. Uh, can, can Drew Brees do it when that pain is in his throwing shoulder? We'll see. That's, so it's a wait-and-see game with New Orleans. But because of their schedule and because they're telling us Breeze will play, I'm not going to rule them out this season. I'm not going to rule them out going into Carolina and possibly winning their first game. Right? So, uh, but, but it won't be easy. That's for sure. Even if Breeze was 100%, it wouldn't be easy. The, you know, New Orleans, Carolina, that division, we, we know that those are always tough games, as you saw as Tampa Bay beat New Orleans last week. So then you got then, – then we come – then we come to the local game, local 1 o'clock game. Jacksonville comes to New England. Right now, the Jaguars, who just beat Miami, right, who in week one, they lost to Carolina. Then they beat Miami last week. The Blake Bortles, his arm, you know, that threat. I, I'm i going to say that's, I'm going to say Blake Bortles is a real threat. Not a threat to, as one writer I saw tweet, one Jacksonville writer tweeted, um, what did he tweet? Said, he can sense the passing of the torch Sunday <laughs> in New England. I mean, give me a fucking break, buddy. I, we know what you're doing. You're trying to get retweets. You're trying to get favorites. You're trying to get radio stations to want you to be on their station so that you can, uh, you know, answer to this, right? Great. You can tweet that all, all fucking day. Like, you, anybody with a brain knows that that's just a laughable comment and it's an attention seeker. That's all you're doing is seeking attention. Blake Bortles, he's got a big arm. He's probably going to make some plays deep down the field against his Patriots secondary on Sunday at Gillette against the Patriots at 1 o'clock. But Tom Brady is on a fucking warpath, okay? And the rest of the league is on notice. And the Jacksonville Jaguars one of the teams in, in the rest of this league. And they are not going to come into Gillette Stadium and have a shot at winning this game. It's just not going to happen. So the Patriots are going to roll. Brady's going to roll offensively. Honestly, Brady's got his sights on the, touch, uh, on the touchdown record again. I, uh, with a healthy Gronk all season, with Edelman playing the way he's playing, you know, you got Dobson making a big impact last week. At some point, you're going to get LaFell back. You got Amendola, Amendola coming down with catches. That he made in Buffalo last week, which is still catch of the year so far. Um, you got another big tight end that can stretch the field and Scott Chandler. 
you got an offensive line that is shocking me with the way they're playing. Brady still, he's getting the ball out quick. I mean, Brady's going for the, again, once again, the touchdown record here. Single season. So, uh, he's got his sight set on that. And he's basically going to wreak havoc on this league all season long, offensively. He is. Uh, the Patriots are going to roll on the Jaguars on Sunday. You know what? You know what I keep getting to, by the way? I keep getting these little, like, texts or messages or maybe some uh, snarky comments from people this week saying, oh, how about you uh, being a Bills fan or picking the Bills to win? Look, that's, you know, the headline on my story in the Boston Metro was, Bills will beat Patriots. Like, it was in big letters. People like to just, first of all, one, I don't make the headline. Two, people like to read headlines, and that's it. Right? If there's one thing I've learned in this business, for the last 10 years, and I began this business as a reporter, as a writer, okay, Boston Globe, uh, Comcast Sports at New England, other little newspapers, not to say the total, I'm saying before those little newspapers, before the Globe, and before the website of CSNNE.com. You know, I, I've written a million stories. I don't write the headlines to any of them. But what I've learned in this business is that people love to just read the headline, and that's it. They just read the headline, and that's it. So when people read the headline that Picard picks the Bills over the Pats on Sunday, that's all they read. And now, because the Pats beat the Bills, they're coming at me. What I keep coming back to them is, say, did you read the fucking story? Or do you listen to the fucking show? Sure, I picked the Bills to win that game. Now, first of all, I told you, if you're, you know, the, the betting side of me, the gambling side says, with the point and a half, just stay away from it. Stay away from it. I think most of these divisional games in the AFC East, I'm going to tell you to stay away from. All right? But I did say, look, I, in fantasy time, I said Bills are going to win. But, you know, the reasons, I had good reasons for it. My intentions were good. But I also said this, that just because... I thought the Bills are going to win. Doesn't th- doesn't mean I think the Patriots are going to lose the division. I told you the Patriots are going to win the division still. Okay. I also told you that I told you that the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. But you don't want to read that part of the story. Like you don't want to read the part of the story where I say Patriots win the division and they win the Super Bowl. Like it's one thing if I say Bills will beat the Patriots on Sunday and they will be crowned the top dogs of the AFC East, and they're going to now win, take that, roll with it, and win the division, and there's a new top dog in the division. No, I didn't say that. People are trying to make it out to be that way. Uh, that, that's, that's not what I made it out to be. So do me a favor. Before you come at me, read the story. Read the rest of my predictions. And, oh, yeah, don't, you know, don't uh, hesitate to when I get some things right, which have been most of my picks this year. Don't hesitate to come and maybe pat me on the back or congratulate me on the picks that I got right. Don't don't hesitate to do that. <laughs> but that shit happens like that. You know, I had people come to me going, when, and I said this on Monday, people saying, well, when are people going to learn? You know, everyone's picking the Bills like the Patriots are going to roll on the Bills. First of all, they didn't roll on them because the Bills almost come back and won the fucking game. Two, uh, that wasn't, a, as I mentioned on Monday, that wasn't a when are we going to learn moment. You can't even use that then. Like, it's a week two game and a tough place to play against an improved Buffalo team. And the matchup in which the Patriots had an inexperienced interior offensive line against the Bills' very dangerous front four, more dangerous than Pittsburgh's in week one that they faced, 
I thought there were things that, that the Patriots are going to be exposed with. And, and you know, they weren't. And I commend them for that. I mean, they got the Patriots should be applauded. More you hate on me, let's applaud the Patriots for, you know, battling against some things that would, you know, uh, in any given week, it's a scary thing to face that Bill's front four. Especially given the offensive line issues that, that you have when you're the New England Patriots. But applaud the Patriots for things that they've done up front with that young, inexperienced offensive, interior offensive line, right? They've done some tremendous work here the first two weeks of the season. But that wasn't a – Sunday in Buffalo wasn't a when are people going to learn moment. A when are people going to learn moment was last year after they lost to Kansas City when people came to me. And, and see, see, here's where I get pissed off at people, right? Because while I tell you the Patriots will still win the Super Bowl this year and will still win the division, but I told you the Bills are going to beat them last week, right? First of all, they ignore – my division pick, and my Super Bowl Patriots winning pick. They ignore that. Two, these are the same people that last year, when the Patriots lost to Kansas City, got their asses kicked in Kansas City on Monday night in Week 4. These same people were coming at me going, these aren't the Patriots we know. And I went to those people and said, nope, the Patriots that I know, okay, the Patriots that I know are going to then return home and beat the shit out of the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday Night Football when the world is watching. And that's exactly what they did. And everybody came at me and told me the Patriots season last year was over. When I told you, no, it's not, let's wait and see. If these are the Patriots of old, they'll beat the living daylights out of the Bengals on, on Sunday night, the next Sunday at home. And that's what they did. And I told you, this. here we go, they're going to roll. Nobody was, there weren't many people on board with me with that. Uh, these are the same people that are trying to come at me with that Bills pick last week. But don't forget, you know, don't ignore the rest of my picks in that story, which are Patriots are still in the division, and also the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. Now, you know, with the Patriots, I look at them, I, they're a 2-0 team, and I, I originally picked them to go 12-4, and but now you see Dallas, Romo goes down. Um, you see... This schedule, and I look at it, and I think, I mean, the Patriots are going no worse than 14-2, and two, right? They're going no worse than 14-2. and two. They're not. No worse than 14-2, and two, the Patriots. So, I mean, I said they were the one seed anyways, but I said it at 12-4. and four. Now, no worse than 14-2. and two. Patriots are going to roll on the Jaguars on Sunday. And don't look at that pick and be like, oh, now you're just trying to make up for the no, I'm not trying to make up for anything. I already told you, regardless, you know what, regardless of the Bills' result, I already told you Patriots will win the division. And then they'll win the Super Bowl. I told you that in that same story that you're trying to crush me on. Uh, another 1 o'clock game. Cincinnati goes to Baltimore. These are always tough. The Ravens, uh, you know, tough division games. The Ravens are at home. Uh, they just lost to the Raiders. The Ravens' defense looked terrible to me. Just looked absolutely awful. And they're missing some key pieces. And they lost another one in Terrell Suggs out for the season. The Ravens own two. I just don't see the Ravens going anywhere this season. I don't. I don't see it. So the Steve Smith farewell tour. I think Steve Smith is going to put up some numbers. Flacco's going to put up some numbers. But I think Baltimore's defense is so bad that I cannot pick them, even in their own building, to beat Cincinnati with the way Cincinnati's offense has looked. This is going to come down to defenses, and it could be low scoring. 
you know, it could be 20 to 17. You know, can Baltimore's defense come up with that big stop? I, I just, I haven't seen it yet. I, I don't know that it's going to start against Cincinnati. So I can't pick against Cincinnati there. By the way, Cincinnati, two and a half point dogs in Baltimore. Um, another one o'clock game. We have the Raiders going to Cleveland. An interesting, you know, interesting quarterback situation in Cleveland. Because today, okay, uh, did they announce it yesterday? Either way, yesterday or today, the Browns have announced that Josh McCown is going to start week three on Sunday at home against Oakland. Where Johnny Manziel started last week, Johnny Manziel came in for McCown, who got injured. You know, he got the concussion in week one. Manziel came in. It wasn't great. But again, you look, they played the Jets. Jets, that defense. I I told you, we can't ignore that Jets defense. So that's not an easy D to go up against. Manziel, in week two, he leads them to a win over a a Tennessee Titans team that I don't think is going to do anything crazy this season. But he still led him to a win, threw a couple touchdowns, and what are you going to do? Week three, because McCown has passed his concussion protocol? You're going to stop McCown? Oh, I don't, I'm sorry. You know what? You, you, Johnny Manziel, I'm not telling you, I'm not buying into Manziel, you know, leading the Browns to the playoffs this year. But I'll tell you this, Josh McCown definitely won't, okay? Josh McCown definitely won't be leading the Browns to the playoffs. So if you're Mike Pettin, and you come out, and you have this press conference today, and you say, Josh McCown's going to be our starting quarterback, um, what, what are you trying to do here? Because to me, it looks like, Mike Pettin, you're trying to get fired. That's what it looks like. Okay? You're trying to get fired. You, dra- you guys drafted Johnny Manziel. It didn't work out for you last year. Certainly the kid has made some strides in his personal life. All right? The touchdowns he's thrown, I have yet to see him use the money sign. That was a big thing to people. His attitude was a big thing to people. Right? He was this great quarterback in college. Look, I still think the kid can throw the ball. And he threw a couple touchdown passes last weekend in a win against the Titans. He was 8 for 15, 172 yards, uh, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And you're basically asking Manziel to do all the things that you need him to do, that you want him to do. And he's doing them. He's changed his life off the field. He's changed his attitude. He's changed his personality. Uh, He seems to be a team-first guy. And guess what? He led you to a win last week. Your first win of the season. And now, because Josh McCown is back, you're going to sit Johnny Manziel and say McCown's your starter again? I'm sorry, I don't buy, and look, I'm not sitting there telling you that, that Johnny Manziel's gonna, gonna lead you to the promised land, but he, but you finally got the kid, it seems like it's finally, you finally have Johnny Manziel right where you want him as an organization, okay, let the kid go in, let him take his bumps, right, he's gonna take his bumps, let him take them, build around Manziel, and now you're quickly pulling him back, I don't understand it, I, Manziel's can't be happy with this, well, how would you be happy with this if you're Johnny Manziel? How? How? Why would you be happy with it? He's not happy. He shouldn't be happy. And you, so to me, you risk losing the kid that you just finally got to do the things that you're asking him to do, everything. And now you're going back to McCown. I don't, I, this stupid move. This to me, it looks like Mike Penn looks like he's trying to get fired. 
Looks like it. I don't know why you wouldn't stop Manziel at home against Oakland. On the other side, Oakland, the Raiders, they got a kid in Derek Carr who missed week one, who made, you know, the two-minute drill, game-winning drive against the Ravens last week. It was a, a, a an impressive drive, an impressive game from the kid to the point where someone like myself who's got Drew Brees in fantasy, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if Drew Brees is banged up, do I pick up, you know, Derek Carr's there. Do I pick him up and go with Derek Carr? Derek Carr's going to make big throws. I'm not saying he's bringing the Raiders to the playoffs either this season, but he can make the big throws, and uh, this should be an interesting matchup. But it, to me, it would be a lot more interesting if Cleveland was going to stick with Manziel. And, and, and if you ask me, Manziel didn't do anything, didn't do anything last weekend to lose this job. And, and don't give me the, well, Josh McCown wanted to start the season. First of all, you can lose your job to injury. I mean, that's sports. That's life. It can happen. You can be replaced. And if you're telling me that Josh McCown cannot be replaced, then I don't want you as my coach because I don't like that decision-making. I don't. I don't like it. I don't, I don't agree with this decision. It looks to me like Petten's trying to get fired. That's what it looks to me like. So, um, I'm telling you right now, they're going to be going back to Manziel again this season. And Manziel is, I, who knows what, what type of attitude you get at that point. Right? Who knows? Like, what are you trying to do? How about you try to reward someone? That's what you should be doing. Reward the kid. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't. It's not like you're throwing Brett Favre out there. It's not like you're throwing Peyton Manning out there. It's not like you're throwing Tom Brady out there. You don't have Aaron Rodgers. All right? You don't have Andrew Luck. You don't. It's Josh McCown. Please. Mike Pettin. I mean, this guy just, this guy looks like this big, tough guy coach, right? Well, guess what? You try to prove a message to the kid, you did. Manziel changed his life around. He, can't, he did the things that you want, everything you wanted him to do. You're going to get away from that? Oh, that makes no sense. I'd fire Mike Pettin right now. Wouldn't even be so quick, it wouldn't even be funny. Mike Pettin thinks he can't be replaced? I'd be like, hey, see you later. You can be replaced. McCown can be replaced. You both should be replaced for being idiots. I hope Oakland goes into Cleveland, and I hope they roll on the Browns, and I hope McCown throws seven picks in this game. I do. Raiders are three-and-a-half point underdogs. Another 1 o'clock game. Indianapolis in Tennessee against the Titans. The Colts, as I mentioned, they're 0-2. I look at their schedule. They can win some games here. Next thing you know, I think the Colts could be looking at, um, they could be 2-2, two and two, right? The, next time you look up at the, at the standings, Colts, they go to Tennessee. They can win this game. Uh... Then they, they host the Jaguars. They can win that game. Then they go to Houston. They can win that game. Colts could be 3-2, and two, you know, going up against the Patriots in Indy. And that's when the Patriots, you know, will take them back down to earth at 500 at 3-3. Three and three. But the Colts, I can see them winning, uh, you know, fixing some of the offensive line issues. And if they can do that, Andrew Luck, let's not. Some people are going crazy like, oh, Andrew Luck back down to earth. Come on. Please, we, are we going to do this? Are we going to overreact like that, like we overreacted to Peyton Manning and his career being over? Are we going to do that? Are we going to overreact like that? It's, it, it, the Colts, to me, are still going to go to the playoffs. And they're going to get their first one of the season in Tennessee Sunday at 1. Colts are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, the last 1 o'clock game here, Atlanta going to Dallas. Dallas going with Brandon Whedon. There is some news out of the Cowboys camp. They have traded for Matt Castle. They made the trade with the Buffalo Bills. I think the Cowboys, what, actually the Bills are sending a seventh-round pick with Castle 
to Dallas, and Dallas is sending, what are they sending, a fifth or a sixth? They're sending another draft pick to him. Um, but it, the bottom line is this. Let's talk about the players. Castle's going to Dallas. Brandon Whedon's going to be Dallas's quarterback. Uh, Castle is not even going to be the backup this week because he has to learn the offense. And, you know, this idea that Matt Castle is going to come in and save Dallas Cowboys doesn't make any sense either. I guess you need a backup, right? Brandon Whedon, to me, will be the guy. I mean, Whedon's a kid who was taken in the first round a couple years ago. Taken in the first round a couple years ago. So, I think you give Whedon a shot here. And I think the, the Cowboys are going to be good enough to put him in a position to not make mistakes. And they're going to win. Cowboys are still going to win some games and hold down the fort till Romo gets back. And when Romo gets back, Cowboys will still have a chance to win the division. But uh, the Cowboys, they're going to host Atlanta. Atlanta, a team that right now is 2-0. And I look at the Falcons, and I said it a little bit earlier, how I feel about them. Matt Ryan, the Julio Jones combination there, it looked very good. Right? It, it always does when, when they're clicking. But Matt Ryan always makes just a couple dumb decisions Every game with the football, that is going to cost them some games once again this season. I don't see that changing. So while the Falcons are 2-0, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have some decisions from their quarterback that's going to cost them some games because I don't see them as a devastating defense, right? I just don't see that. They beat the Eagles. Falcons beat the Eagles. Then they went to New York and beat the Giants last week. They go to the Cowboys. I think it's a winnable game for Atlanta based on the fact that Romo won't be playing. Um, but it's not a lock for Atlanta to go in and win. The one thing I will say about Atlanta here moving forward is, if you look at their schedule, they might have the easiest schedule in football. They might. After this game against the Cowboys without Romo, they host the Houston Texans. They then host the Redskins. They then go to New Orleans. I mean, who knows if Breeze will even be playing by then. They then go to Tennessee. They then host the Buccaneers. Then they go to San Francisco. Uh, then they come home and host the Colts, host the Vikings. They go to Tampa Bay, go to Carolina, go to Jacksonville, home against Carolina, home against the Saints. It's a terrible division Atlanta's in. The Atlanta should, now that they're 2-0, right, and with Breeze being hurt, with Romo not playing their game against the Cowboys, um, I... I look at this and say, Atlanta should be able to win this division. I'm, I told you, I'm not rolling New Orleans out. Atlanta should be able to win, though, given their schedule. I guess I'm just expecting, I'm still not picking it, because I'm expecting Matt Ryan to make some terrible decisions and some terrible mistakes that could cost them some, some crucial games down the stretch. And who knows, maybe it costs them a game here in Dallas this weekend, even though Dallas doesn't have Romo, they don't have Bryant, and they might not have Jason Witten. We'll see. The Cowboys are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home, uh, but this is no lock for Atlanta to win. I'll tell you that. Going to the 4 o'clocks, San Francisco, they go to Arizona to play the Cardinals, a Cardinals team that I told you yesterday's show, if I could take it back, you know, i take a couple things back uh, right now, um, and one of them would be I would have Arizona in the playoffs. Carson Palmer returning. Him and Larry Fitz, that just looks like a devastating combination. Arizona's defense had a big game last week. They crushed the Bears. And they host the San Francisco 49ers. And, um, you know, I, I, the, the Cardinals look like a rock-solid team. And, and I don't think I could bet against them 
in this game, and it's a it's a division that it's a division that certainly you know you look at that NFC West. I I think is up for grabs. You look down Seattle at zero and two. I'm not ruling out Seattle. They're gonna have a couple home games and they're gonna win those games. They're getting Cam Chancellor back. We'll get to that in a minute. Arizona though, at least if I could do it over again, I'd have the Lions out. And I'd have and I'd have Arizona in at least at one of those wild card spots. Arizona, they beat the Saints. They went to Chicago, beat the Bears. They should beat the 49ers. Then they're gonna beat the Rams, right? Then they play at Detroit. I think they should win that game. Then they go to Pittsburgh. Uh, but you know, one, two, three, four, five. The Cardinals should go to Pittsburgh with a five and zero record. And you know, it's not like they got murderers row here. After that, so the Cardinals, they're a scary team, and they don't have the toughest schedule in the world. Uh, and, and and part of that schedule that's not tough is going to be this weekend at home against San Francisco. Arizona should be able to handle the 49ers. Arizona's a seven-point favorite in this one. Uh, a couple 430 games. you got Chicago at Seattle. Chicago's no good. Cutler's missing a couple weeks anyways. And with Seattle, the news there is that Cam Chancellor is returning. Safety camp chancellor, he's ending his holdout. He's returning to the Seahawks. Now, the rest of the league has their eye on this because according to Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, camp chancellor is ending his holdout, but he's coming back. He's returning to the Seahawks with or without a new contract. Uh, I mean, to me, it's that just means that conversations are ongoing and that they're close, right? It sounds like they're close it sounds like they're close. So, they say with or without a new contract. I think you don't end your holdout if you don't have something brewing. I expect a, I expect some type of announcement on a, a new contract for Camp Chancellor soon, at some point. Maybe even before this game on Sunday, where the Seattle Seahawks host the Chicago Bears. But the rest of the league, they're going to look at the Seahawks. Yeah, maybe they give them a new contract. But are they going to set a precedent here for a holdout? Maybe with a certain punishment? Right? Other owners around the league are going to want Seattle to come down hot on Camp Chancellor for just deciding to sit out. So we'll see how Seattle handles that. I don't know if he'll play against the Bears, but even if he doesn't, Seattle in their own building, they are going to win this game against Chicago. If they don't, I'm going to be shocked. Again, Seahawks are own two, as I talked about yesterday, but they're at home against the Bears. They're at home against the Lions. Um, they go to Cincinnati. Then they come home against the Panthers. I think that... Seattle should be just fine once they get a couple games in their building, which is the toughest place to play and toughest place to win in the NFL. Seattle's 0-2, but don't, as I mentioned with Indy, as I mentioned with Peyton Manning's career, don't write the Seahawks obituary just yet. I think uh, they'll get back to 500 the next couple weeks. Uh, so you got Seattle. They're going to beat up on the Bears in Seattle. And then the other 430 game, Buffalo goes to Miami. The Bills and the Dolphins, two very improved teams in this division. Uh, it's an interesting one. The Bills are three-point dogs going to Miami. Um, if I had to pick just a winner in this game right now, I would have to say that hey, the Dolphins are coming off a tough loss. The Bills are coming off a tough loss. Uh, I'm going to have to go with the home field and take the Dolphins. I think if this, if this was in Buffalo, this is just a home field pick, I think. I, that's what I think. I think you get the home field advantage here. I think if this was in Buffalo, I'd pick the Bills. If this was in Miami, which it is, I'll pick the Dolphins in that one. 
And then you got see you got the Sunday night game, which right now I I read is off the books. I I got the I'm reading the Sunday night game. Right now it's not on the books. You just can't bet on it. Uh it is Denver in Detroit. Now I'm gonna say that there's no line or spread on this game just yet because Matthew Stafford he's having x-rays on his chest and his ribs. So they're waiting to see if Stafford's going to play in this game. Um, and by the way, I'm recording this on Wednesday morning, so by the time maybe Wednesday afternoon hits, by the time you listen to this, maybe that changes. But as I give it to you right now, the only game not that you can't bet on or that I don't see a line for is Denver at Detroit Sunday Night Football. Uh, and if I just had to pick this game who's going to win, I'm going to pick the Broncos, no question, because I told you last week, uh, Peyton Manning, after that win in Kansas City on Thursday night, uh, Peyton Manning is not done. Okay, his career is not over. He still can throw the football. It comes down to protection, offensive line, how much time he has in the pocket. And, uh, you know, can Denver protect Peyton in this game? Can, can Detroit get to Peyton Manning? I'm going to say no, and I'm going to say that Peyton Manning uh, goes into Detroit and wins on Sunday night. And then the Monday night game, Kansas City goes to Green Bay, uh, the Chiefs, with just an awful loss to the Broncos last Thursday night. They get some extra time to prepare for this one, uh, but it won't be enough. Green Bay, a seven-point favorite in their own building. They're not going to lose to the Chiefs. And they're gonna, I mean, they're going to put up points in their own building. So Green Bay will win this on Monday night against Kansas City. But we get some time to go over that game. So there's a little preview here to Week 3 in the National Football League. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. If you want to get into some more Washington Giants stuff tomorrow, uh, we can do that. I'm working on a couple interesting guests to get on the next couple days. So maybe we'll, we'd be doing that instead. Uh, but tomorrow's show, we'll see what the, the main topic will be up in the air. Uh, but the Giants tomorrow night kick off week three, hosting the Washington Redskins. And, and I'll tell you what else I'm keeping my eye out for the next couple nights and next couple weeks and really the next month is Major League Baseball and the playoff race because we had a game last night as I mentioned at the beginning I told you I was going to get to and I'm getting to it Toronto hosting the Yankees the division the AL East on the line I wanted to say AFC East because they're just doing football the AL East on the line uh, there was a playoff like atmosphere last night and the game was on ESPN I watched more of that than I did the Red Sox. Now, the Red Sox lost to the Rays. Henry Owens let up an eighth-inning uh, home run, right? He let up an eighth-inning two-run home run on a hanging curveball. And and uh, the Rays use it to beat the Red Sox. Also, I'm pretty sure Xander Bogots forgot how many outs there were when he was on the bases. David Ortiz hit one to left with one out, and Bogots just took off and went home, and they doubled him up at second. I can't crush Bogots too much as an individual player because he's having a tremendous season, right? But Xander Bogots, right now, I mean, look, I was telling you he was probably untouchable anyways, but right now, 144 games, 567 at-bats, 325 batting average, 7 home runs, 78 RBIs, but also his defense. I mean, there were a lot of people last year at this time were trying to tell me that Xander Bogots was not a shortstop, that you'd have to move him to third. 
that he could not play that position. Xander Bogots has not just proven he can play that position. He's proven he can play that position just as good as anybody in the league while hitting 325. So I can't crush Xander Bogots too much. But as a team, as an organization, they have forgotten how many outs there are in an inning, whether it's in the field or on the bases, one too many times, more than anybody in the league this season. Now, I don't know that for an actual stat or fact, because I don't think they keep that stat as a fact. But I don't. I think it's pretty impossible for anybody else to have forgotten how many outs there were as much as the Red Sox have this season. And I think this speaks on the entire organization and the coaching staff and maybe some of the leaders on that team and how prepared they have some of the younger kids. Bogots is 22 years old. I'm willing to let this one slide, but as an organization, I'm not willing to let it slide. You better figure this shit out, and, and it better start. I mean, it should start tonight, but you could say this every time they've forgotten how many outs they were and say it should start the next game. It's got to start in spring training. Let's have a meeting and say, guys, this year, we're going to remember how many outs we have this season. It's not going to look like that in 2016. That's something I need to stress. Whoever the manager is for this Red Sox team but um yeah so I watched more of the Blue Jays and the Yankees last night actually I gotta mention this too before I get to the actual game and 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 what happened and what I what I thought of it um first and foremost thoughts and prayers go out to the friends and family of Yogi Berra the Hall of Fame New York Yankees catcher who passed away yesterday at his home in New Jersey he died of natural causes at the age of 90 you know about Yogi, you don't need to sit. You don't need me to sit here and tell you about him. Legendary career, won ten championships, World Series championships with the Yankees. Of course, we all will remember Yogi for his Yogiisms as well. But um, you know, when I'm reading about him today, and and I'm watching the, the stories on TV about him, uh, there's there's a stat that jumps out at me that I, I just wish. All of the current Major League players, managers, scouts, coaches, agents, fans, I, 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 want, I need you to know this stat, all right? I need you to know this stat. Last couple days, I told you about the whole Matt Harvey plan. And if you follow baseball, you know what that is. It's Scott Boris telling the Mets that Matt Harvey needs to have an innings limit because he's, he has returned this season uh, from Tommy John from serious surgery, there's an innings limit that needs to be placed on him. He's just telling him now. You know, the Mets are saying, well, what the fuck? Why didn't you tell us about it in spring training? So we could have started him in May and skipped the month of April. Well, look, you can't go back in time. That didn't happen. So you got to deal with it now because the agent's making you. Not only is the agent making you, though, the player's also making you. Because if the player needed to have it his way and he wanted to be a guy, Matt Harvey wanted to be a guy that wanted to say, I'm going to... I'm doing everything I can to win, to help this team win, right? Innings limit, eh, I pitch an extra 30 innings this season, my arm's not going to fall off. Where did he come up with that number? Like, where, is it factual, that number, did he just throw a number against the wall? I know it's based on other guys with other surgeries, but come on. What are we doing here? We got a chance to win a championship, and I'm, I'm one of the top pitchers on the staff, if not the ace, okay? Matt Harvey has a say. In fact, he probably has all the say if he wanted to. But he's listening to his agent. They have this Matt Harvey plan. And the plan the other night, going back to last weekend, they're in a game against the Mets. Excuse me, Mets in a game against the Yankees. Matt Harvey gives the Mets five innings where he allows no runs, one hit, 
think he walked one. He's only he struck out seven. Okay, he struck out seven. He only allowed one hit, allowed no runs. The Mets led it one to nothing. Mets are in a playoff race still. I know they have a pretty good lead over the Nationals, and Mets are going to go to the playoffs. But still, you know, nothing's guaranteed. So you have Matt Harvey. You take him out of that fifth inning, and you throw the bullpen in the sixth, and they blow it. And the Yankees crush the Mets 11-2. The Matt Harvey plan, everybody. He threw 77 pitches. They're going to try to limit his innings. They've already skipped him a couple starts this month. Because they need to get him, make sure he's in position to pitch in the postseason. But even after the game, as I went over it yesterday, the manager couldn't guarantee that something like that, taking him out after five innings, he couldn't guarantee that that won't happen in the postseason. Which is an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. And if I'm a Mets player, if I'm the Mets manager, if I'm in that organization, I'm pissed. Because if they're going to win a championship, they're going to win it because Matt Harvey goes out in that mound and pitches his balls off. And if he doesn't, they're probably not going to win. They're probably not going to win. So, as we have this innings limit, the Matt Harvey plan, I just need people to hear this story and this stat about Yogi Bear. Listen to this for a second. Yogi Bear caught both games of doubleheaders 117 times. 117 times Yogi Berra caught both games of doubleheaders. Okay? That's 117. 1-1-7. One, one, 117 times. <laughs> Do you think that any catcher in, in, in this day and age would even think about doing that five times. I mean, did you pick a number? It doesn't come close to 117. My point is this. Things have obviously changed with medical reports, with, with the you know statistical analysis they have after surgeries. On, you know, everybody's got numbers. I get it. It's a numbers game. Um, you know, the surgeries have changed. Uh, the healing process has changed. You know, the supplements have changed. Everything has changed when it comes to injuries, when it comes to, to players, the number of games they play, the innings that they pitch, the number of pitches that they throw. It's all changed. It's all different. But the old school baseball fan, and you know what? Even though I'm 32 and I don't go back to the days of Yogi Bear, right? But anybody, like, if you have uncles, grandparents, aunts, you know, grandfathers, grandmothers, okay, you have older siblings that are huge baseball fans, ask them how they feel about the Matt Harvey plan. Tell them about the Matt Harvey plan if they don't know about it. Ask them how they feel. They're probably going to tell you a story, and they might even throw out a number at you, and they might even say, you know what? Yogi Berra once caught both games of doubleheaders 117 times. And Matt Harvey can't pitch 30 more innings the rest of this season with a team that's going to win them a champ, possibly win a championship. The old school baseball fan will use this Yogi Berra stat. And guess what? I'm going to use this stat. Okay? I'm going to use this stat. Everybody's so sensitive in Major League Baseball. I know I talked about this yesterday, but Yogi Berra passed away last night, and uh, he was a legend. 
And while we'll remember him for his career on the field, we'll remember him for his yogiisms. I want you to remember that stat as we watch 2015 Major League Baseball and the sensitivity that comes along with it. Okay? The guy caught both games of doublehead is 117 times. Think about that. Think about that. And think about where we are now currently in this sport. The money that people are making, which is another factor, right? The injuries that guys might not play through. Um, and I don't like to ever sit here and say this guy can't pitch through an injury. You know, if he's hurt, he's hurt. I, I, I'll be the first to admit it to you. If he can't play to the best of his abilities and he can't do what he's best at, you know, why wouldn't you sit him out a couple games in a 162-game season? You have that luxury, this season being that long. But when you get down to crunch time and you hear stories like this about a guy like Matt Harvey, I'm sorry, I can't have sympathy for the guy. I can't have sympathy for his agent. I can't have sympathy for anybody that might want to even re-sign him in New York. Because I wouldn't want an attitude like that on my team. I just wouldn't. Just wouldn't. And then you read a stat like that today when you hear about Yogi Berra passing and um, it makes you think. It makes me think. I want you to remember that stat. Because I have a feeling this Matt Avi situation is only going to get more dramatic then it is going to get less dramatic. Matt Harvey scheduled to pitch again uh, this weekend. So keep an eye on that. Um, And keep an eye on the postseason baseball race. As I told you last night, I watched this Yankees-Blue Jays game. And it just, I I, I watched it more than the Red Sox. It just had postseason feel all over it. Had postseason feel all over it. Now, the Yankees won 6-4. They cut the Blue Jays' lead in the AL East to two and a half games. They play the rubber match of this series tonight, and it is going to be on TV. From what they were saying last night, it's going to be on TV, and it's going to be a doozy. Ivan Nova against Marcus Stroman. Ivan Nova against Marcus Stroman. Stroman is one of the best young pitchers in the league, and he's just coming back from injury. The Blue Jays, they obviously want him back. They need him back, and this is going to be one heck of a rubber match tonight. Blue Jays won the first game of the series. David Price pitched a gem. And then last night, Severino was very good. Six innings for Luis Severino. Only allowed three hits. Allowed a home run. uh, Two earned runs. Walked three. Struck out three. Threw 89 pitches. Severino is going to be a dangerous weapon for this Yankees team. When they get to, if they can get to the playoffs. And I think if, you know, if they don't win the AL East, they're going to get in the wild card game. Uh, And if they can win that, Severino will be a a dangerous piece. I'll tell you this. As a Red Sox fan, and I've said this before watching him pitch, I I do not want to have to face him for the next 10 years. I don't. I I just, I I do not want to have to face him. He's a power pitcher. He's got an electric slider to go along with that 95, 96 mile per hour fastball that I've seen him dial up to 98 at times. Um... He's got a, he's got one of those hard change-ups, so almost looks like just a cutter at 89-90. But uh, yeah, Severino is going to be a, a scary pitcher for years to come. I just see that with his stuff that he has in his toolbox. So uh, he's on the mound last night, no decision. It's funny, Andrew Miller gets the win and the Yankees' 6-4 win in 10 innings. But he also blew a save. He also blew the save. Greg Bird for the Yankees hit a three-run home run in the 10th 
that put the Yankees up 6-3. to Andrew Miller came back out for the 10th, gets him out of it, gets the win, but he lets up a home run to Encarnacion. And it wasn't the first home run he let up. He let up a home run in the ninth. Miller came in for the save in the ninth because the Yankees led 3-2 and Batantis actually in the eighth. What an inning that was. He walked Bautista. He loaded the bases. Batantis, Encarnacion, bases loaded. Bottom of the eighth in Toronto. Right? Bottom of the eighth in Toronto. The Yankees lead it 3-2. Carlos Beltran just homered in the eighth inning. And... Batantis on the mound, he walks Bautista with a one-run lead, right? And then he strikes out Encarnacion. 2-1 count, busts a 98-mile-per-hour fastball by him, just swung and missed, couldn't do anything with it. And then has just an unfair 85-mile-per-hour slider down and away. Swings and misses, gets out of the bases loaded jam. Yankees still lead at 3-2. Then you get to the bottom of the ninth. Next time, Blue Jays are up. Andrew Miller comes in for the save, right? Batantis Miller... Those two guys pitched the 8th and ninth. It's a 7-inning game for the Yankees. But Navarro, with a home run, jumps all over a fastball, rips it to left, line drive. It was out of there in the seats in a, in a second. A second and a half. Okay? And he ties the game at 3. And it's the blown, blown save. It's the blown save for Andrew Miller. And uh, the Yankees, obviously, they get the home run. Greg Bird. I mean, how about Greg Bird? He replaces Mark Teixeira this season. Teixeira out for the season, right? He's got, a, what, a fractured shin? Mark Teixeira out for the season. But Greg Bird playing first base, he stepped into that spot. He hit his, that was his 10th home run. His three-run home run in the 10th inning last night, which was a huge spot, by the way. Just a huge spot, a huge at-bat. It gives the Yankees a 6-3 to lead in the 10th in Toronto in a playoff race in late September. That was Greg Bird's. 10th home run in 34 games. And again, he replaces Teixeira. I don't know how many Yankee fans are talking about missing Mock Teixeira right now. I'll tell you that. But, so the Yankees take a 6-3 lead. The Blue Jays get another home run. Encarnacion homers off Miller. They send Miller back out for the 10th inning. I, now, I don't know if Miller is, I, I doubt he'll be available tonight because of that in the rubber match of the series. But also, if you're the Blue Jays, sure, you lost that game last night. Okay, you lost that game. But you might run into the Yankees in the postseason. Because, like I said, whatever team doesn't win this division between Yankees-Blue Jays, they're going to be in that wild card game. And perhaps these two teams face each other in the playoffs. And if they do in a series drawn out, here's one thing I think Toronto might have going for them. They hit two home runs off Andrew Miller. Two home runs off Andrew Miller last night. Yankees closer. I do believe in getting in a guy's head. And if the Blue Jays did anything last night, they got in Andrew Miller's head. They at least told Andrew Miller that we can hit off you. We, we can hit home runs off you. We can hit home runs off that fastball. So I believe the Blue Jays might just may have gotten in Andrew Miller's head last night. So they lost the game, but I think if they want to take anything out of it, they take that away from it. Also got to mention, uh, Jose Bautista. It, this game was crazy. I hope you watched this game. Showed off his arm in the game, especially in that ninth inning. The ninth inning of this one last night. Top of the ninth. Uh, Chris Young walked. Uh, Didi Gregorius hit a ground rule double to deep center. 
And Gregorius, I mean, who knows where this could have gone. I mean, he would have drove in a run. Would have been the tying run at the time. But it's a ground rule double. It gets out. Actually hurts the Yankees. So you got second and third, right? Ellsbury flies out to right field. And Bautista throws an absolute seed on the money. Home. And they gun down Chris Young. And afterwards, Bautista's given a John Cena, you can't see me. <laughs> and and uh, it was tremendous moment for baseball. If you're a baseball fan, that game was a tremendous game last night. I, I tweeted out, you can follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. I tweeted out, postseason baseball started last night in Toronto. You know what? It started two nights ago when this series began. And tonight, the rubber match, Stroman Nova in Toronto. Blue Jays lead the AL East. They are two and a half games ahead of the Yankees. So this is much must-watch stuff, in my opinion. It really is. I'll be watching it. I'll talk about it tomorrow. Um, we'll break it down. But that's what I saw in baseball last night, postseason baseball, as an officially begun. But the atmosphere in these games has a postseason feel, which means it's right around the corner. That's for sure. I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like me on Facebook, all forms of social media. Also on Instagram, at Danny Picard. Actually, real quick, before I close it out, preseason hockey's begun. I, I, I'm, I don't get worked up about preseason hockey. I have a tough time watching it. In fact, I'll tell you, I don't watch preseason hockey. But a hockey note and a hockey thought after the note and it's Boston Bruins related here locally. You know, I've been worked up about what this team has done with their defense. I've been very worked up about that. Uh, they lose Johnny. They trade Johnny Boychuk last year, before the, right before the season begins. Top four defenseman. They never replace him. Then they trade Dougie Hamilton because they think he doesn't want to be here. Okay? Uh, which was their top pair defenseman. Uh, young kid. You lose two top four defensemen. You never replace either one of them. And now, 34-year-old defenseman Dennis Seidenberg, who is another top four defenseman for you, it is announced that he will have back surgery tomorrow on Thursday because of a herniated disc. He will be out eight weeks. They say out eight weeks. Let's see. Uh, it could be more than that. Eight weeks is around, what is it around? What are we looking at? Late November? Thanks, around Thanksgiving? Early December? The holiday season, Seidenberg will be out. He played all 82 games last season, but he was not the same player last year after he had major knee surgery the year before. He has two more years on his contract at four mil a year after this season. And Dennis Seidenberg already showing signs of getting old and not being able to recover from some of these major surgeries and injuries. And now we're talking about the back. He still hadn't, in my opinion, fully returned to his top performance level after that knee surgery, we were waiting for that. We were wondering, is this going to be a two-year recovery process? Now he's going to begin the season uh, having surgery, back surgery. And now, in the last calendar year, maybe even a little less than the last calendar year, you have lost three of your top four defensemen, and you have not replaced any, any one of them. So, when you begin the season like that, you tell me that, and by the way, your coach is a defensive coach. I, I, I don't have a positive vibe for it. 
You know, so you can do all this stuff and talk about the backup goalie. You know, the backup goalie is going to be all you fucking want. But when you lose three of your top four defensemen, and oh, by the way, Zdeno Chara isn't getting any younger, you have some major issues. Major issues with this Bruins team to begin the year. Again, here five days a week, dannypicard.com. Um, I'll make picks, picks on Friday. Working on a special guest tomorrow for the Violent Gentleman segment. So, uh, again, hope you join me. Subscribe on iTunes. Anywhere podcasts are available. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.